When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett, and today we are going to react to the San Francisco 49ers 37-15 Week 5 victory over the Carolina Panthers, including Jimmy, the gunslinger Garoppolo. Is the offense finally finding its rhythm, and has the injury bug finally bitten the red and gold? But before we do that, before we get into all that good stuff, all of the the nitty-gritty of what happened on Sunday against Carolina, I just got to say that the San Francisco 49ers literally got Carolina coaches fired. I'm not proud of having someone lose their job, but we beat them so bad, it pushed their owner over the edge to say, get out of my office, get out of the building, Pack up your bags, put them in a box, and leave. And do not come back. You are fired. Fired. Even the owner said, we have too many red butts in the seats. Faithful. The faithful helped get Matt Rule fired. You have so much power. You have unlimited power. That's how that's how impactful you are when you travel to other stadiums like this. Now, again, I'm not saying we are solely responsible or San Francisco is solely responsible for Carolina stripping their coaching staff. All I'm saying is we just pushed it over the edge. Goodbye. Good day. See you later. Right? And it's that's not even the worst thing. The Panthers now said, hey, you know what? All of our star players, give us a call. We're going to rebuild it again. Talk about a just an amazing victory Monday. You're going to hear this on what I'll call a victory Tuesday this week as the Niners go to 3-2 and two on the season. And they increase their lead in the NFC West by one game solely, firmly, in first place in the NFC West. You want to know why? Say with me, Rams, guess what? Last. Seahawks, wait for it. Last. Cardinals, wait for it. Let the Eagles evade and still last. All of the NFC West teams outside of the San Francisco 49ers lost on Sunday against the Carolina Panthers. But it's not all good news, not all you know rainbows and butterflies because... We have to we have to ban turf. We have to. I am tired of seeing Niner players get hurt because of some awful playing conditions. It was it raining on Sunday? No. 
Was there mud piles from the previous monsoon? No. All I'm saying is that it is... It's ridiculous that a star player, or not not even a star player, because it really doesn't matter, but it's ridiculous that a player cannot get hurt in a monsoon in Chicago when it's slipping and sliding all over the place, but gets hurt in perfect conditions. But because you're playing on turf, that that's the reason why. Turf does not give. Your cuts are harder. It's worse on your knees. It's barely a little better than cutting and juking on concrete. That's how hard it is on your ligaments. So for the love of God, can we ban turf? I'm tired of seeing in 2020, Jimmy Garoppolo, Nick Bosa, Raheem Mostert, Solomon Thomas, and now Emmanuel Mosley go down because of these injuries. Like, my goodness, ban the turf. It's bad for players. And it's not just San Francisco. All over the league, Players are getting hurt for the Giants, for the Jets, for the Panthers, for the Falcons. Good players. Players that the NFL should be building around these guys. Again, just using San Francisco, Jimmy G, Nick Bosa in 2020, Raheem Mostert in 2020. Now this year, Mayo Mosley having one of the best years of his career. Literally, this is the best year of E-Man's career. Where he's about to get paid playing lockdown corner next to and in one of the best defenses thus far the NFL has ever seen, and that is taken away from him because the NFL says, you know, AstroTurf is okay, after seeing all the injuries of star players. And guess what? Even if, even if Mosley wasn't a star player, he's a player the NFL can point to and say, he's an up-and-comer. He's somebody that we can point to and say that person represents our league the best and it's it's really in a it's just so frustrating because there's a ways to avoid this play on grass and Carolina had grass two years ago prior to John Tepper becoming the owner so if this was 20 2020 2019 this doesn't even happen And that's the sad part, that San Francisco just happens to have bad luck in a case like this. Now, look, there are 100-plus snaps every NFL game, right? Both sides combined. Defensive players play, you know, 60 snaps a game, right? Roughly around there. He may have not torn his ACL on 64 of them. But on the 65th play, gone. If you can avoid that just because it's caused by turf, how is that not a top priority? Because it's cheaper to install, easier to maintain than grass? I get that. I get that. But hey, safety of your players should be top priority. Look, fans were up and arms about the two attack of Iloa stuff. And I get it, right? Head injury, super serious. Seemed like there was some negligence in there. And it's not the same level, but there's kind of negligence in playing on turf. How many ACLs have to be torn before the NFL pulls their head out of their ass, right? Like, 
I used to skin my knees and my shins on concrete playing football on the street. But there's a reason why the NFL doesn't play on the freaking road. It's not safe. Turf is not as safe as grass. Why not mandate playing on grass everywhere? What is the purpose of opening any door to a player getting hurt? Any player. I don't care who it is. But now San Francisco is sitting there saying, look, we lost one of our star corners. We have to now figure out who our next guy is, right? And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, who can fill in? My first thought is Jason Verrett, right? He is someone who can play outside, play zone, play man, has been successful in this defense, in this system. He's someone who, having knee injuries of his own, I would not play against Atlanta next week. And he's someone who you really can't rely on. Now, I'm happy he's here, but you know, I don't know. There's just there's concern there. The question with Red is if healthy and once healthy. Well, and that may come in two weeks. And if Red's healthy, he's a really good cornerback. A really, really good cornerback. Happy he's here. But other guys there, Ambry Thomas, Samuel Womack, you might even get Dante Johnson. But if it were me, my first pick... Going to be Jason Verrett. That makes the most sense out of anybody in the room currently. And if he's healthy, again, if healthy, he's the best option to play outside. Because then you have Lenore and Womack. They can both play nickel. Although Womack did play outside in college. He has experience there. But Ambry Thomas, he was great last year down the stretch. Great. Down the stretch against the Rams in the playoffs, week 17. Like, After the Bengals game and the Falcons game last year, he was great. Really good for a young guy who's undersized and was seemingly behind the eight ball coming into 2021. So my order would go Verrett, Thomas, Womack, Johnson. Uh, I think Lenore and Womack make the most sense sticking at nickel. That makes the most sense to me, but again, who knows? But the injuries don't stop there. Jimmy Ward broke his hand having surgery on Tuesday, October 11th. He might miss, well, at least four more weeks again. But look, I don't want to say this, but it's not like they're losing much when it comes to this year. Look, Jimmy Ward, great player, won him here, one of the best safeties, one healthy when it comes to limiting big plays and in coverage. But this year alone, Tayshawn Gibson has been found money. And if Ward's going to miss time to get healthy, okay, that's fine. Thus far, having only played, what, like five snaps? There really technically isn't a loss there. Because Gibson has played so well, getting Ward back is only a gain. Only, uh, I guess, an added element to the defense he didn't have now. And so, I'm not technically too worried about Ward's injury. The one injury that, and look, you got to hear me out because Nick Bosa has a groin strain. And my first thought was, is there concern that because Nick Bosa is not going to play, because he's this defensive player of the year candidate, should we expect drop off? And I think the only area you might experience drop off in is when it comes to how good San Francisco is in coverage. 
because you don't have the guy who can get you 14 pressures in a game. Now, that being said, you still got 21 against Carolina's offensive line, which they're not bad. That's a relatively solid offensive line. You got 21. And I want to give a huge shout-out to Drake Jackson. Drake Jackson has come along. He's going to be a good player. I would not be surprised if Ebukam is gone next year because his contract's up and they go, hey, Drake Jackson, you're the starter. And that may have been why they drafted him. That will make you know a lot of sense. One plus one equals two, right? But thus far, Drake Jackson, who I think might be in line to replace Nick Bosa, two sacks, second among rookies, and Aiden Hutchinson, the, the Detroit Lions, I believe second overall pick this year, he is first with three. The difference is, Drake Jackson has played 190 less snaps than Aiden Hutchinson. And he already has two sacks. Now I get it, personnel in Detroit and San Francisco, a lot different, right? But it's not like, like, it's a, it, it's about how you are used, not how much you are being used. And Drake Jackson currently is being used to perfection by Chris Kosarek and Demeco Ryans. And so... If you ask me if you ask me if I'm concerned about Nick Bosa, I think the concerning part is that Eric Armstead's still hurt. He has two foot injuries now. Those seem like they're gonna linger late in his career, which may not be good or, or at least this year, which again could play a larger effect. There's a chance where he's playing one game and, and, and sitting the next and playing again, and just feels like that might linger throughout the entire year. Juwan Kinlaw's not healthy, and then Nick Bosa's now hurt. Now a groin strain. I have strained my groin plenty of times. Sometimes it takes a week. Sometimes a few days. I have no idea the severity of it. We'll find out Wednesday. But there's a good chance Nick Bosa does not play against Atlanta. That being said, it's one game. I am okay with Nick Bosa not playing on turf in Atlanta. Because the freaking turf has got to go. And if you can save Nick Bosa from tearing his ACL, knock on every single piece of wood in the studio right now, I'm okay with that. I am totally okay with that. So, with all that said, we are almost 15 minutes into the podcast. So, I want to let you know to use promo code 49ERACCESS, 49ERACCESS at SeatGeek.com. Again, 49ers access, SeatGeek.com. Save yourself $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek using that promo code. Again, 49ers access, 49ERSACCESS at SeatGeek.com. Save yourself money. Go support the Niners. Go support whatever team you want to support. Doesn't matter. Save some money. Gas is expensive. Save yourself some money in this climate. And let's finally dive in to week five. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What the heck happened on Sunday between the San Francisco 49ers and the Carolina Panthers? Because, woo-wee, it was an 
ugly, ugly final score, 37 to 15. And what was the one thing I kept telling you and, and we discussed last week was that Carolina's offense is so bad, they were going to give the Niners offense every single chance to find their rhythm, every single chance to put up big points, and that is exactly what happened. Toot my own horn there, but... It wasn't like the game wasn't out of hand early. Like San Francisco came into Sunday against Carolina, tied with them as the second worst scoring offense in the NFL. San Francisco put up 30 points offensively, and it should have been more. Now, plenty of missed opportunities in that first half. The Robbie Gold block kick for the second time already this year, that concerns me. And also, because Mike McGlinchey leaking that little butt out too far past the line of scrimmage and downfield, being ineligible, took Kittle's touchdown away. It, like, this game could have been 40, 45 to 15. That's how good San Francisco was in this game. Now, look, Carolina's a bad team. Bad team, bad head coach, fairly good defense, but they're on the field by far too much. Like, San Francisco, by all means, dominated this game. Now, I get it. First half kind of slow. Second half picked it up. I get that. That's a problem. Come out hot. Come out firing. If a team is going to give you every opportunity, take every opportunity to score. You don't want to be uh, Josh McDaniel down by one at the goal line saying, let's go for two and try to get the win. Well, you can tie the game up and still give yourself a chance to win potentially down the road in prime time against the Chiefs. And if you're Kyle Shanahan, what you want to be is up 17, not 3, right before halftime. Or before your defense gets a pick 6. You want to be ahead because you were in control, because you were the one controlling the game. Now I will say this. We know Week 1, Bears, Monsoon... Trey Lance often struggles. Then bang, big explosion. Jimmy Garoppolo comes in week two. Lance gets hurt. The offense puts up 27 points. Okay, then Denver, good God, cover your eyes. What a pitiful offensive performance. But the last two weeks have been an entirely different story. Have there been blimps and messes up and missed opportunities? Yes. But the offense has gone from averaging... What was that, like 17 points, 16 points through three weeks to now averaging 23 and a half points the last two weeks to averaging 120 yards per game the last two weeks, 5.8 yards per carry, one and a half rushing touchdowns per game now the last two weeks, now close to 250 passing yards per game and a touchdown and a half the last two weeks. They are outgaining opponents 724 to 565. This offense is starting to ramp up, starting to hit its next gear, starting to find itself. And it wasn't like they were not, or it wasn't like they were gunning it down the field. It, it, it really felt like they were in control of the game. It, it, it didn't feel like, just like the Rams game. It felt like they were going to beat Carolina when the clock struck zero, no matter how ugly it was, 
how bad it was. It felt like San Francisco was going to dominate them in every facet of the game. And they did. Was there some mistakes? 100%. But can we just give a little clap? Because my boy, Jimmy Garoppolo, was slinging it, folks. He is slinging it. Like, my goodness. Now, look, he's not Mahomes, and he's not Josh Allen or Aaron Rodgers, but Jimmy Garoppolo looked the best I've seen him since 2019. And I can even argue he's playing more freely. He's being Jimmy Gunslinger Garoppolo for the first time since 2017. Against Carolina, 60% comp percentage, 253 yards, two touchdowns, zero picks, 8.4 yards per attempt, and 109.4 passing attempt. There is a good chance, going back, watching the game, Jimmy Garoppolo was let down by his receivers. A Kittle fumble, an Ayuk drop, handful of Debo Samuel drops. He should have had 300 yards and four touchdowns. That's how good he was. And can we just talk about this man putting things on the dot, on the D-A-H-T, the dot, to Tevin Coleman? First off, Tevin Coleman, welcome back. But my goodness, welcome back, my friend. Good to have you back in Santa Clara. He was great. Two touchdowns. Huge catch in the sideline. My goodness. And Jimmy G. The one thing I think people underestimated, including myself, was Jimmy Garoppolo is fearless. Now, I mention it sometimes when it comes to him scrambling, right? Not afraid to lower his shoulder, take a hit, get the extra yard. But Jimmy Garoppolo, hanging in the pocket, taking Hits from two defenders, slinging it 30-plus yards downfield, 40-plus yards downfield towards the sideline on the D-A-H-T, the dot, to Tevin Coleman. My goodness. And through five weeks, Jimmy G has a big-time throw rate of 4.3%, the highest it's been since he came to San Francisco in 2017. He also has been extremely efficient. What's the big thing, right? The Jimmy O no throw. Guess what? Only 2.4% this year. The lowest since 2017. And I want to read you a stat. And I know what your first thought's going to be, but I want you to just wait a minute. Wait one minute, and I'll explain to you why it's not what you think and why it's actually a really good thing. So... The Niners receivers have gained 148 yards after the catch on Sunday versus the Carolina Panthers. So out of 253 passing yards, 148 of them were after the catch. Yak, YAC. In the last two weeks, San Francisco has had 342 yards of yak, 69.5%, nearly 70% of Jimmy G's passing yards have come after the catch against the Rams and against the Panthers. Now, I get it. Look, you're thinking, well, it's because Jimmy can't pass the ball down the field because Jimmy you know, doesn't push the ball. No, no. What this means is that he's being efficient, getting his ball to the stars. That sounded weird. Getting the ball to his stars. 
to Debo, to Kittle, to Ayuk. He's, he knows that if he gets the ball to them, they can work their magic. It's not like Kyle Shanahan drafted George Kittle and Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk because, well, they're going to have to help Jimmy. They would do the same thing if Trey Lance was out there. Now, I get it. A little different offense, right? They're going to push the ball down the field a little more. I get that. It's a given. But it's not like Trey Lance wasn't going to throw screen routes and dump-offs and outs. He may have two or three big plays a game. That's great. I want that. But it's not like he also wasn't going to do what Jimmy Garoppolo is doing or try to right now. Quickly get the ball to his stars. And who cares if it's Yak? Who freaking cares? It's not like Patrick Mahomes, who, again, great, not comparing the two, but it wasn't like when he was given to Tyreek Hill that he wasn't running by himself for 70 yards. It happens. When you have elite athletes like San Francisco does that can get Yak are great after the catch are physical or evasive, why would you knock a quarterback for getting it to those guys? It's like telling a point guard, don't pass it to your three-point shooter wide open behind the arc. How does that make sense? It's not a criticism. Like, who cares? Genuinely, they won 37-15. to That's freaking awesome. Who cares? And look, one more stat on Jimmy Garoppolo and I'll move on. Because you're tired of it, right? Jimmy Garoppolo is now 35-15 and 15 and has a 98.8 passer rating in his career as a starter. Since the 1970 NFL and AFL merger, the only quarterback with 35-plus wins and a higher passer rating over his 50 starts than Jimmy Garoppolo is who? Who? Oh, it's only one person. It's Patrick Mahomes, who has five more wins and a nearly 10-point higher passer rating. Not Tom Brady, not Peyton Manning, not Aaron Rodgers, not Russell Wilson, not Lamar Jackson, not Josh Allen. Patrick Mahomes and Jimmy G are one and two. To quote Birdman, can you finally put some respect on his name? Like, what does the man have to do to get some respect in the NFL? And I think, I do believe there are finally some people coming around. And look, don't get it twisted. I'm not saying Garoppolo's a world beater. You know how I feel about Jimmy G. But I'm just saying that we are seeing a different Jimmy Garoppolo. I think that this year, knowing he's going to be gone... And knowing that Trey Lance cannot play, I do think there is some refound respect for Jimmy Garoppolo. The big thing last year was people wanted Lance to play. That's why there was, and if he did, that's fine. But there was a group of people that were wholeheartedly pushing to bench Jimmy for Trey Lance without ever seeing Trey Lance play. Or without ever giving Jimmy a chance to keep his job. And look, I like and I love both these guys. I'm happy Jimmy's here. 
and I cannot wait to see what Trey Lance can do. But because there is no Trey Lance, that crowd has gotten quieter and quieter and quieter and quieter. You want to know why? Because they're not fans of Jimmy G, which is asinine because guess what? You're 3-2, and two, and you're playing great football, and you are likely, again, likely on your way to a winning season. And if San Francisco wins, whether Trey Lance, Jimmy G, Jim Druckenmiller, Tim Rattay, Cody Pickett, Ken Dorsey, Nick Mullins, Brian Hoyer, I give two flying you-know-whats. I do not care. They're 3-2 and two in first place in the NFC West, and they're winning. And the best part is they're getting their stars involved. George Kittle has been getting more involved in the offense. 10 targets in his last two games, had six against the Panthers. He's had seven receptions the last two weeks, 71 yards in total, 7.1 yards per catch. And I'm not going to lie to you, early in this game, it felt like the Jimmy G. George Kittle show. It was Jimmy G. was making it a point to get Kittle involved. And it really wasn't until the fumble, which, can I ask you a question? When the graphic said that it was George Kittle's only second career fumble, I went, really? It sounds like a, it feels like he's fumbled a lot more than that. A lot more. Now, obviously he hasn't, but it feels like he has. That, But I digress. It felt like that it was the Jimmy G. George Kittle show. It felt as if they made it a point to, fans are complaining that we're not getting Kittle involved, and kudos to the offensive line. They weren't great, but Jimmy's quick release, they held up just enough, and they allowed Jimmy to find George Kittle what seems like four times, five times on Sunday. Could have been more. He should have had a touchdown. Should have had a touchdown. Thank you, Mike McGlinchey. But again, getting it to your stars that matter. And you get George Kittle going with Ayuk and Debo. We did not see that much last year. The one, maybe two games that come to mind, Falcons, Bengals. Now, now they play together a lot, but that just feels like the two games they had an impact in. And the, that's those are two games the offense was really good in. And it feels like that if we can have that for the remaining 12, 13 weeks, this offense is going to average 25, 26 points. And it's going to be as good as it was in 2019. And if Jimmy's playing like this, I get it's early in the season. Don't want to get too ahead of myself. Week by week, that's how we do this, right? But the offense looks like how it was in 2019. But it feels as if Jimmy has more freedom. And if he has more freedom to get it to his stars, like George Kittle, like Debo Samuel, like Brandon Ayuk, and you are starting to add in the elements and the things they can do, the elite-level things they can do on a week-to-week basis, that makes any defense scared. Any defense should be scared to play this offense the way it's running right now. Again, two weeks, a lot more to go, but the offense looks phenomenal. 
But there is one thing that I do think we have to discuss because it stuck out like a sore thumb on Sunday. A sore thumb. Debo Samuel, the way he has been used this year has actually impressed me. Really impressed me. Debo Samuel went from, he is wide back again, and I get, Mitchell gets hurt. They're like, oh my God, we don't have anybody. Like, is Jeff Olsen going to play? Is it Ty Davis Price, Jordan Mason? I get it. But he went from averaging 9 carries, 11 carries, 8 carries, 8 carries, to 1 carry against Carolina. That is his fewest snaps in the backfield since week 9 of last season. There's a reason that they're doing this. And it's very, very simple. Debo Samuel on the ground this year, averaging 6 yards Debo Samuel in the air this year, averaging 13 yards. You want to have Debo be that wide back? That's fine. But Debo Samuel can essentially be the wide back by catching screen passes. He can be the quote-unquote wide back in catching out routes in the dump-offs. It's not that or it's not like Debo Samuel isn't a wide back when he's a receiver. And in fact, Debo Samuel, when he's a wide back, you know who he is? He's just being Debo Samuel. And I think that's what gets forgotten in this sometimes. Wow, Debo's so good. Why is he in the backfield, though? And defenses said, oh my goodness, they're using a star player in the backfield. We have to prep for that and scheme against that. When in fact, if you're Kyle Shanahan, you know what you see? You see an opportunity to run screens and dump off because they have worked so much more. There's more ways to disguise plays like that. Debo's lined out left wide with Kittle and Juwan Jennings in between him. What's going to happen? Literally, as a defense, you don't know. But Debo in the backfield, well, they're going to run it. And I just think that Shanahan's gotten smart. And look, Debo dropped some balls on Sunday against Carolina. He just blatantly dropped some balls. Some balls were tipped. Some balls were right in his hands and he dropped them. That's fine. It happens. Whatever. But Debo Samuel doesn't need to play wide back. And a reason for that also is Jeff Wilson, Tevin Coleman were great on Sunday. Like, I, I can't forget how good they were on Sunday. Jeff Wilson has been, what do you have, 18 carries against the, the Rams, 17 against the Panthers, 100-plus yards this week, first of the season. Like, he looked really good. Two big runs back-to-back weeks. Like, there's a reason he's in there. But it's not as if Debo Samuel has to be back there. He can do everything he does with screen passes and dump-off passes. But I do wonder that... I do wonder if Kyle Shanahan's going to change that. Because week one, nine carries. In the aftermath of the Mitchell injury, week 11, you know, who was Jeff Wilson Jr. again? He had the big run, I get that. You know, big touchdown run. 
Week three, eight carries. Week four, eight carries. Week five, one carry. And a lot of it's who you play. But I just think that based on what Debo Samuel can do, I think it's more efficient when it's screens and dump-offs rather than handoffs. Debo Samuel can be Debo Samuel from anywhere on the field. He's just more efficient being Debo Samuel when it comes in the passing game, not the running game. Uh, Brandon Ayuk was good on Sunday, although he dropped a kind of egregious pass. Like, Jimmy made a great throw back shoulder for a first down, and Ayuk just dropped it. Just flat out swinging a miss. Was like, dude, hey, you got hands, and they got five fingers. Close them when the ball gets there. You're going to catch it. Why don't you do that? Why don't you just, you know, catch the ball? It's not hard. It's really not that hard when you're kind of, you not wide open, but when the ball is right to your hands and it's in a place only you can catch it. Not that hard. Just, like, take your hands. When the ball gets close, close them around it. That's called a catch. Do that. Just do that for me. One time. But other than that, he was great. Ayuk's been really good this past couple weeks. Run blocking in the passing game. Getting yak. Really impressed with him, his growth. A lot of the big questions were, and I haven't said it, Debo, or Jimmy likes Debo and Kittle. Lance liked Ayuk and Kittle. How are they going to keep this thing alive? Like, like where is Ayuk's season going to go? He has looked just fine. And he actually has looked really good the last two weeks. Really good. Different roles, but really, really good. But, look, if you're going to talk Niner football, you got to talk about the defense. And I have some amazing stats for you that they, they, they might tickle your tummy, might tickle your feather, because they're going to make you even more confident this team can go places. So the Niners have conceded only, uh, only 12 first-half points this year. No other team has allowed fewer than 35 San Francisco has allowed 23 less points than the next best team. Carolina didn't score 30 or 23 points in this game. The Rams have scored less than 20 points their last two games. Like, there's some perspective. That's insane. The Niners and Broncos didn't score 20 points in a whole game. <laughs> like two weeks ago. That's how good they've been. And look, San Francisco had 36 pressures against the Rams, right? They had 21 against the Panthers. 57 total pressures, total pressures on a quarterback the last two weeks against Carolina. They had the pick six. And for the second consecutive week, San Francisco's defense has totaled more pressures than their opposition starting quarterback has total completed passes. Rams were pressured 36 times. Stafford had 32 completions. Baker Mayfield was pressured 21 times. 
He had 20 completions. This defensive line, even without Nick Bosa, who only had one pressure, they totaled 20. 20 that were not named Nick Bosa. Like, come on. 57 pressures? Some teams haven't recorded 20. And they've topped that in two games back to back. Some more stats for ya. Now we knew coming into this game that the Panthers' defense had outscored the offense 14-12 to in the last seven quarters if you took out Chenault's fluke 67-yard touchdown in Week 3 for the Panthers. Their offense was not, not good, had scored 12 points in the last seven quarters coming into Sunday. And I think it'd be wrong of me to not point out one of, if not the best corner in football and being a big part of that. In that first half on Sunday, it felt like if on offense it was the Jimmy G, Tevin Coleman, George Kittle show, that on the defensive side, despite guys like Fred Warner, Hufunga, Dre Greenlaw, Nick Bosa before he got hurt, Charles Amenahue, Ebukam, Greg Jackson, the list goes on and on and on. All those guys having really good games. Mooney Ward, again, he is worth every dime. San Francisco underpaid for him. Underpaid. That's how good he's been. Like, if I'm him, I'm saying, like, is there a restructure coming up soon? Because I know it's only five weeks, but I'm the best corner in football. And I'm not being paid like it. Through five weeks, the top three coverage-graded corners by PFF, Stefan Gilmore, number one, 82.8, Jamel Dean, 81.8, and Moody Ward, 81.5. Moody Ward has the number three highest coverage grade per PFF in the NFL through weeks one through five. But it doesn't stop there. In weeks 1 through 5, PFF's run defense grade for cornerbacks. Number 1, Christian Fulton, 92.4. Number 2, Mooney Ward, 92.1. And Nate Hobbs, 90.1. Now, who are the two consistent people in those categories? Oh, It's Charvarius Mooney Ward. He's the only corner in the NFL with a top three grade in coverage and against the run. Guys, that's insane. That is, I know I use the word a lot, insane, but I want you to appreciate how good he's been this year. Mooney Ward, right now, is the definition of lockdown. Last week, did the whole Hufanga's lockdown. Gibson's lockdown. Mooney's lockdown. Mosley's lockdown. Guess what? Mooney Ward, if there was a way I can say lockdown even more emotionally, I would say it. Maybe it's lockdown. That's how good he's been. I mean, he's just, 
He's been amazing. He's worth every penny and more. Hey, Mom. Hey, Dad. Get your church tithe out. It's not going to Christ. It's going to Mooney Ward because I got to pay for how good he's been. That's how good he's been. Forget the offering. Pass that sucker around Levi Stadium. Get this guy a raise. That's how good he's been. Weeks one through five, Mooney Ward has seven passes broken up. He leads the NFL over Trevon Diggs, Desmond King, and Sauce Gardner, who has four. Sauce Gardner ranks fourth in the NFL in pass breakups with four of them. Guess how many Mooney Ward had on Sunday against Carolina? One, two, three, four of them. Mooney Ward is the best cornerback in the NFL, and no one's talking about it. It's, oh, the guy San Francisco is pretty good over there. No, no. He ain't pretty good. He's the best. Wonder why? Because he's locked on. That's how good he's been. And yeah, of course it helps to have Nick Bosa and Amanda Hugh and Armstead and Ken Law, but oh, oh wait. Armstead didn't play. Kinlaw didn't play. Nick Bosa got hurt in the first half. And guess what? Mooney Ward only got better. He allowed one catch on six targets. He himself caused four incompletions. That's how good he was. And the one catch he gave up was a phenomenal catch by Robbie Anderson towards the sideline. That's how good he's been. It takes an amazing play to beat him. An amazing play. Falcons don't have a guy to do that. The Chiefs, I'm sorry, outside of Kelsey, have no one to do that. The Rams, when they have Allen Robinson and Cooper Cup, even they couldn't do it. He was shutting them down. Want to know why? Say it with me. One, two, three, because he's locked on. Like, my goodness. Look, it sucks to lose guys like Nick Bosa. It sucks to lose guys like Emmanuel Mosley. There are concerns. There are worries. I get it. Heck, I can even make make an argument that not having Robbie Gold against the Falcons or the Chiefs is a bigger loss than Jimmy Ward. And I never in my lifetime thought I'd say that. But guess what? You escape Atlanta, come back home to play Kansas City, then you go to Levi South in a couple weeks, take over Los Angeles. They are already blaming their players or their fans for not buying tickets. That team won one ring, one faux F-A-U-X ring, and guess what? The fans quit on them for being 2-3. and three. Quit on them. And the players are already talking about why are opposing teams taking over our stadium? Hey, wonder why? Ramley doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. And even if it did, guess what? Mooney Ward, he would lock it down. I'm sorry. I am extremely excited this week. I'm back from vacation. Back from being sick. And I'm pumped. I'm pumped to be in sole possession of first place to watch the Cardinals lose, the Seahawks lose, and the Rams lose. I am in the mood to talk the most beef ever. It'll make Draymond Green want to punch me. 
Like, I am that confident in this team. That confident in this Niners team. They can do something this year. Make some noise. It's week five. Going to go on to Atlanta. Play week six. A lot can happen. But right now in week five, I want to talk some mess. Okay? Let me have this for once, right? <laughs> that being said, use that promo code 49 Access 49ERSACCESS at SeatGeek.com to save yourself $20 off your first purchase. You can also follow us on social media at 49ers.access is the Instagram. 49ers underscore access is the Twitter. That's the hot takes. Some amazing stats in a conversation about the faithful with the faithful happening on Twitter. Join that with me. DM me. Let's talk about the team we love the most. My name is Sterling Bennett. And until next time, this has been the 49er Access Podcast. And stay faithful.